Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Friend, John 3.16 is the Magna Carta of the human race. It's the clear statement of what God will do because of love. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentenka will be here in just a moment with today's message. You know, here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is here now to take your prayer request. Today's Reaching Your Heart is the conclusion to The Last Morning. That's The Last Morning, and Pastor Michael Oxentenko will be here in just a moment. Don't forget, you can find this broadcast online at reachingyourheart.com if you missed any portion of the broadcast so far. Or if you'd just like to download a copy for your personal library. Again, The Last Morning. Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko, with today's Reaching Your Heart. Let's look at that word consume. The Greek word consume literally means to destroy. So they were destroyed. I will make a statement based on scripture. God will not give eternal life to evil people in a place called hell. Did you hear me? God will not give eternal life to evil people in a place called hell, no matter what preacher pontificates that without biblical support. If God gives eternal life to the wicked in hell, then God is a liar and John 3.16 is a fraud. Friend, John 3.16 is the Magna Carta of the human race. It's the clear statement of what God will do because of love. Look at John 3.16 again. We know it by memory, but let's interact with its clear meaning. For God so loved the world. How many of you love that fact? God is love. John says, in him there is no darkness at all. God loved the world. Now the word world here is cosmos, the cosmic order, the entire created order. God didn't just love us. He loved his creation and that he gave his only son. Now what does that mean? It means that love is giving. It means that love can let go. It means if you have everything as God does, God can give everything because Jesus is everything to God to save us. And in the love of God, he poured out Christ for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And then it gets to us that whoever believes in him continually keeps on believing. You know, don't start and give up your faith. Keep on believing in him. Whoever believes in him should not perish. Now see, so perishing here is in contrast to something that follows. Should not perish, but have eternal life. So if perishing is eternal life in hell, this verse is a lie. Perishing is the opposite of eternal life. God wants us to live forever. Perishing is the other side of the equation. It's silly to think that they're the same thing, and yet it's been preached for many centuries by well-meaning preachers and others that God will grant eternal life to the wicked in a place called hell. And so in that sense, they get the same thing the righteous do. The Bible doesn't teach that. The eternal fire... And the never-ending light of God's glory, friend, will destroy evil. 
In Hebrews 12, 29, the Bible says, Our God is a consuming fire. The glory of him who is love will destroy evil because love cannot let evil live on forever and still be love. Now, some people said, well, you know, the fire is not eternal. It goes out. Have you ever heard people say that? The fire that destroys the wicked goes away. The Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches that the fire that destroys the wicked is eternal fire. And I've heard people try to manipulate the Greek there. It doesn't work. Now, I have in my hands here a Bible. Do you have a Bible? Pull it out. Turn to Isaiah 33. I want to share this with you. Isaiah 33. Now, the Bible will say in Isaiah 31, verse 9, that God's fire is in Mount Zion. His furnace is in Jerusalem. It means that the fire that destroys the wicked was in the temple. It was in the sanctuary. It's holy fire. So we ask the question, what is it? You can turn to Hebrews 12, 29. Our God is a consuming fire. The Shekinah glory of God was in the sanctuary. And so in Isaiah 33, verse 14, the wicked are asking this question. Here it is. The sinners in Zion, remember God's fire is in Zion. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Now it's not talking about the righteous here. They're afraid. Trembling has seized the godless. And now they're asking a question. It's in quotation marks in your translation. Who among us can dwell with the devouring fire? And then, who among us can dwell with the everlasting burnings? So the wicked are asking the question, we're in Mount Zion where God's fire is at. How many of us can live in the presence of the eternal burnings? Now, it's very clear here. This is not fire that goes out. And look at the answer in verse 15. Now, by the way, we've heard in many sermons preached throughout the country, who will live in the everlasting fire? What do people say? What do they say? The wicked, right? But that's not the answer given here. Look at verse 15. He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, that's the person who can live in the everlasting fire. Who despises the gain of oppressions, it says in verse 15. Who shakes his hands lest they hold a bribe. Who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed and shuts his eyes from looking upon evil. He will dwell in the heights. That's Mount Zion where the fire is. In other words, God's people will be at home in what the wicked consider heavenly hell. But it won't be hell for them. It will be the never-ending glory of the eternal burnings. Now, friend, I'm going to tell you forthrightly, I want to live in the midst of the everlasting burnings. I want to be able to walk in the presence of the God who is the eternal fire. I want to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, the white hot heat of God's love, and it doesn't do a thing to me. And I want to be there with Jesus, who was the fourth person in the story. Now look at verse 17. It says, Your eyes will see the king and his beauty. They will behold a land that stretches far. The fire that we're afraid of is God. The fire that the wicked run from is the glory of God. And God's people will live in that which the wicked are afraid of. That was my answer. I just had to pause there. I want to live in the presence of God. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave. Malachi 4.1, take your Bibles, turn with me. Malachi 4.1, the Bible says, For behold, the day comes, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. Let me just say something here. We've all done evil. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. How many of you can concur with that? You see, what it means here is people who value evil, people who practice it continually instead of fighting against it. If you're struggling with evil in your life, you're not evil. 
We're simply a person who's struggling, and God knows that. If you've given up and you don't care, then you're evil. But if you care and you want Jesus in your life and it's hard, you're accepted. You're under the blood of Christ. I don't care how difficult or how awful and ugly your struggle is. You are in Christ, if that is true for you. And I would encourage you, if you want the victory in your life, the secret is really this. It's to come to the cross. It's to surrender up and to let the Lord see you as you are. To let his presence rule in your life. Because in the presence of God, you can't sin. It's when you lose that presence for a minute or two here or there that you fall away. One day we'll live in the light of his glory. And so the Lord isn't going to bless people who don't want him. That's what it's saying in verse 1. Verse 2. But for you who fear my name. Now God's name and God's law are the same thing in the Bible. Those who reverence the law of God, the son of righteousness shall arise. Many translations will have that in all capital letters. Because the son of righteousness is Jesus. The Son of Righteousness will arise with healing in the Hebrew. In His wings, Christ will arise. And the glory that comes from Him, while it destroys the wicked, will be healing. And then it goes on to say this, You shall go forth leaping like calves from the stall. You shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on that day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. There is nothing to it. There is no idea that the wicked will live forever in a place called hell. They will be ashes under the feet of those who love the glory that destroys evil. But what happens to the devil who's the root of all evil? Well, it says here in Malachi 4.1, it will leave them neither root nor branch. Satan, who is the root of evil, and his followers, who are the branches of evil, will be ashes under the soles of your feet, the Bible says. The devil will not live forever in a place called hell, according to Malachi 4. But it may appear from a surface reading that Revelation 20, verse 10, disagrees with Malachi 4, 1 to 3. This is the hard text in the Bible. This is the one people go to for this doctrine of eternal hell. I'm going there with you. Revelation 20, 10. The devil who had deceived them, are you looking at the verse with me? The devil who deceived them was thrown where? Into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. Some translations will say are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Ah, you say, Pastor Mike, there it is. There's the proof text I need to know everything you've said all morning is wrong. Right? You're paused. Doesn't it say the devil burns in hell forever and ever? Come on, what does the text say? Doesn't it seem to say that? It does, doesn't it? Not so quick, friend. Remember that the book of Revelation is a book of symbols, and we must rightly divide the Word of God to honor the Word of God. A quick fix answer is not what's happening here. Let's look at the context. Let's let our spiritual discernment come to bear and understand what's happening. First of all, notice that the text is referring to the devil, the beast, and the false prophet. Now, why is this important? This is a false trinity in the book of Revelation. The dragon is a counterfeit God the Father. God the Father is the ruler of the universe. Satan wants to rule the universe. The beast as the world kingdom order that became Christian in the Middle Ages, that was a universal religio-political system, and that reemerges at the time of the end. The beast wants the world. And so God the Father, as he gave authority to Christ, the dragon gave authority to the beast because the beast is antichrist. The false prophet is the lamb-like beast in Revelation 13. The John the Baptist for the beast. He gives spirit to the beast. And thus he represents the false prophet and the spirit of God too. So that's the false trinity. The dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. The book of Revelation teaches us that the false trinity is headed straight for the lake of fire. Two of those are symbolic powers. 
America will not exist forever, which is the lamb-like beast, nor will the medieval church-state system that reemerges as the beast at the end of time. They come down, they never rise again. So the lake of fire doesn't mean the nations continue to exist. It means they come to their end. So what is the lake of fire? Inquiring minds want to know. The lake of fire, I'll just simply state it, is the second death where death and Hades and all the wicked will die for good. It's the death in which there is no resurrection. Turn with me to Revelation 20, verse 13. The Bible says, The sea gave up the dead in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead in them. And all were judged by what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown where? Now what's death? Death is an idea. Death is a state of no life. Now death is thrown into the lake of fire. Hades is thrown into the lake of fire. Not just people. This is the second death, the lake of fire. So we have to understand what the lake of fire is. The Bible says very clearly, it is the second death. Now death is death. Thanatos in Greek. Hades, which means the grave, it's the equivalent of Sheol, the grave in Hebrew. Hades in Greek literally means the place of no sight, where you can't see, where it's all dark. So if death and Hades are thrown in the lake of fire, it means that death and the grave die at the end of the millennium. It's the end of death. There are no graveyards in the new order. There will be nothing that will remind us of death for all eternity. Verse 15, now if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown where? What does it say? So all the wicked end up in the lake of fire, not just the devil, and the beast, the false prophet, death, and Hades. So remembering that the lake of fire is the second death, it means that this is the permanent death that deals with all evil. So number one, the lake of fire is the second death from which there is no resurrection. The lake of fire is here symbolic of a death that is final, in which death itself dies. And number two, the Bible says in Revelation 20.10 that they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's the hard part of the text. How do you make sense of that part? If you bring death to an end, you bring evil to an end, how do you have that part of the verse? Let's read the verse again, Revelation 20, verse 10. And the devil had deceived them, was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented what? What does the text say? Day and night forever and ever. Now, that's clear talk. You can go to the Greek language forever and ever. Iced into the age of the ages in Greek never means anything than forever. It's a manipulation of the Greek to get something else out of that. We have a Greek scholar, her head's going up and down. It's true. If we're honest with the text of the Bible, we don't manipulate it to get our own answers. So in this verse, both the Greek and the immediate context matter immensely if we're to understand this difficult passage. The phrase forever and ever always means that. It literally is into the age of the ages. You have to manipulate the text to make it mean anything other than that. So let's agree that forever means forever. Are you with me? Forever means forever. Let's start there and not be dishonest with the Bible. In Revelation 20.10, this expression of forever is qualified. So we should look at the context that surrounds it to understand what kind of forever it is. The text says they'll be tormented day and night into the age of the ages, or day and night forever and ever. That means that this forever in verse 10 is day and night kind of forever. Are you with me? That's what the text is saying. It's the Bible's way of saying as long as day and night kind of time is here, the devil will suffer forever and ever and ever and ever. That's what the text is indicating. In the Greek language, there are three case endings. Case ending gives grammatical force to a word. The accusative case ending means a duration of time. So if it's forever without end, that's the case ending you would use, the accusative. 
The locative case any means a point in time. So intensity, the moment, is here emphasized with the locative case ending. The genitive case any means the kind or quality of time. When it says Judas went out and it was night, it's a genitive time. It was night for him. It was dark in his soul. At the flood, God made the promise that day and night kind of time would last only as long as the earth remains, Genesis 8, 22. Wouldn't end. As long as the earth is here, you have day and night kind of time which means that when the earth will be destroyed, when the end comes, there is no longer a need for day and night kind of time in a new heavens and a new earth. The old forever can come to an end at last when the earth passes away because day and night only last as long as the earth remain. Pastor Michael Oxentenko will be back in just a moment. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-funded program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now, once again, Pastor Michael Oxentenko. So the Bible is saying that Satan will suffer forever and ever as long as there is day and night kind of time and not one day longer than day and night kind of time. So to get rid of the devil and the old forever, you really have to destroy the old era of day and night and the earth with it. This is the context. So let's go from Revelation 20, verse 10 to the very next verse, verse 11. The Bible says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it from his presence. Earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. So what happens immediately after he talks about day and night kind of time that lasts only as long as the earth remains? The very next verse says, God's throne was manifested, the great white throne of judgment. And from his presence, the earth fled away. The heavens fled away. They are no more. There is a transition from the old age of the earth with day and night kind of time. So how long does day and night kind of time last? I've asked you this, and I've told you, it's Genesis 8.22, as long as the earth remains. But in this verse, the earth passes away. So in the very next verse, we see the answer. Turn down to Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. You see, so day and night kind of time doesn't need to last one minute longer because the earth is gone. A new order, a new time frame is instituted. The old forever is surrendered to a new morning that need not ever end. Friend, when God created the world before God said, let there be light, the Bible says in Genesis 1-2 that there was darkness over the deep and the waters. Before there was a single day of light, darkness and the waters of the deep were there. You have the deep waters and you have darkness. And that's the evil that was in the universe before God said, let there be light. But in the new order we find that those two things aren't there. Now, in the Gospel of John, darkness is the consistent metaphor of evil. In Daniel, the sea is where these evil kingdoms come from. But in the new order, these things pass away. They're not there anymore. Isaiah fifty-seven twenty. But the wicked are like the tossing sea. It cannot rest, and its waters toss up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. So darkness and the sea are metaphors of evil. So in Revelation 21, it says... The sea was no more. That's half of evil. It's gone. 
What about the other half? Look at verse 2, Revelation 21. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God was with men and women. Understood. He will dwell with them and they shall be His people and God Himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Now that's the part that you can underline. John says in Revelation 21.4 that the former things have passed away. That would include the old heavens and the old earth. It would include the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. It would include Satan and all his followers. It would include the old era of day and night kind of time that lasts forever as long as the earth remains. So it's gone because the earth is gone. It would include the old forever and anything else that can be in it because the new is a new day. The former things, the Bible says, have passed away. It's like John 3.16, perished. So you can't have the devil and his followers living on forever in a place called hell when the Bible says clearly that the former things have passed away. In the new world, the experiment with evil will be gone. The wicked will be gone. And so what happens to the night when the former things pass away? Revelation 21, 22. I saw no temple in the city, for the temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. God is with us. And the city has no need, it says in verse 23, of sun or moon to shine upon it. For the glory, the Shekinah glory of God is its light, and the lamp is the Lamb. By its light shall the nations walk, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it. Its gates shall never be shut by day, and there shall be no night there. Boy, what a day when there's no more night. No more day and night. No more suffering. No more evil. No more devil. No more nothing like that. No more old forever. It's gone because day and night kind of time is gone because it's the new heavens and new earth. Turn to Revelation 22, 3-5. There shall no more be anything accursed. You can't have the devil. You can't have the wicked. You can't have anything from the old age and the new. And this statement be true. It's gone. But the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. And His servants shall worship Him. The expression, there shall no more be anything accursed, means that the whole universe is clean. One pulse of harmony beats throughout the vast creation of God. Evil is not alive forever and ever because the old day of night and day has gone and the new morning has come, the last morning. When day and night kind of time comes to an end, friend, we have only begun to live forever. The last morning will bring the end of the old age of pain and suffering, but a new era of joy, of fulfillment, of life, of purpose and meaning. The curse will be gone forever. And so when the night surrenders to the light, what will happen to us who love the light of the glory of God in the face of Christ? What will happen to people who want to be in the midst of the everlasting burnings, the glory of God that shines from His throne, the glory in the face of Christ, the glory that created the world? Verse 4, it says, They shall see His face. His name shall be on their foreheads. Meaning His law will be in their minds. That means God's law, which was on the letter of the document, the tables of the stone, will be in their minds. The new covenant will be realized into eternity. Verse 5, And night shall be no more. There it is. No more day and night kind of time. Night shall be no more. The devil is gone. Suffering is gone. They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, 
That means God is the fire. He's the never-ending morning. And they shall reign forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And it never ends. The next day is still the same day because there's no more night. We will never need to sleep in the light of God's glory because we will live in the joy of eternal life. Friend, the last morning will bring the day that never ends and the night will be no more. Sin and suffering will be over. Sin will never rise again because God has found the way in Jesus to show us the light. And the universe will have learned the lesson of what evil does. And this great experiment of Lucifer, the first evil scientist who wanted to be a Frankenstein and create something other than what God made, it will end and no one will ever try it again. And we will grow deeper and deeper and deeper into the love of God throughout the ceaseless ages of forever with no night there. God bless you in Jesus, our light. Thanks for listening today. That will conclude the message Pastor Michael Oxentenko entitles The Last Morning. It's The Last Morning. And don't forget, you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Thanks for listening today. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished that you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's last altar call is just the book you need. Mark Finley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy. It's yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for listening. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. 855-888-4673 is the telephone number to call. 855-888-4673. 855-888-4673. Or reachingyourheart.com. Thanks for listening today. And as always, we do pray that God is reaching your heart.